0: You're listening to the newest episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life, with your host, Kim Olver. This is Kim, and welcome to the 70th episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. Today I will be discussing how coaching can be an excellent tool for leadership. If you like today's episode, be sure to leave me a review on iTunes and share this podcast with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag me at the Relationship Center on Instagram or Facebook. Whenever I teach a leadership workshop, I ask people to break into small groups and come up with lists of the qualities, traits, characteristics, and behaviors of their worst and best boss or teacher ever, and the lists never have any surprises. Things people don't like in a leader are someone who's a bully and has the attitude my way or the highway. They don't like to be micromanaged, and they don't appreciate having no input into the work they do. Similarly, they don't like having a boss with a closed door, too busy to talk with them about their assignments. They also don't like a boss who tries to please everyone and ends up pleasing no one, or bends over backwards for so many that people are just looking to get whatever they can from the leader. They also don't like a leader who has no vision and who doesn't know what they're doing. What they do like in a leader is someone who knows how to support and encourage them, someone who helps them get better at what they do, and someone who helps them see the vision and is willing to develop their talent. This is where coaching comes in. Most leaders have been taught to provide feedback that sounds like, these are the things I like that you do. And these are the things that must be changed or worked on. This feedback can be tough for the leader to provide, particularly if there are problems with performance. If you happen to be a leader with a strong need for connection, you will avoid giving any feedback about improvement because you're uncomfortable with conflict and you want to be liked by your workers. Enter coaching done right as a great leadership solution. With coaching, leaders avoid giving direct feedback about what they like and don't like. Instead, they ask questions of their employees to determine what they believe about their job performance. In Choice Theory Leadership, we call this self-evaluation. As the leader, first, you want to create a positive, need-satisfying relationship with the people you supervise. This need-satisfying relationship becomes the basis for all influence. When you're the dictatorial leader, you can often get compliance when you have painful consequences attached for non-compliance, but you'll never obtain an employee's best work. You won't get their initiative, creativity, or high quality with coercion. This is because your employees are fearful of your consequences. When people are afraid, they have three options, fight, flight, or freeze, none of which are great behaviors in the workplace. Bruce Lipton, a cellular biologist, tells us that cells are in one of two positions. They're either open for growth or closed for protection. When they're closed for protection, there is no growth or learning happening. All you get is a person who seeks to avoid pain or who is attempting to outsmart you to do what they think is best without getting caught. This is not a good situation for the leader or the company. This is an example of a leader prioritizing their own needs or the needs of the company over their employees. The thought often is, if this person doesn't work out, there are other people who will want this job. Everyone is replaceable. A need-satisfying relationship can also be overdone. This occurs when leaders prioritize their employees' needs over their own. You tend to see this with laissez-faire leaders. These are leaders who prioritize happy employees and a positive relationship with them over everything else, even the work to be done. This approach creates its own set of problems, resulting in workers who have no respect for the leader and basically believe they can get whatever they want, no matter how unreasonable. The coaching leader finds themselves between these two extremes, balancing the work to be done with the relationship with their workers. It's a delicate balance and one that shifts and changes with the task to be accomplished and the needs of the employees. What exactly is a need-satisfying relationship? To understand this, you must first understand the basic needs of all humans based on William Glasser's Choice Theory Psychology. Every person has the same five basic needs of safety and security, connection, significance, freedom and joy. However, we all have varying degrees of each of these needs. The strength of our needs has to do with which ones were programmed as stronger genetically, as well as how well each need is being met. For example, it's possible to have a small need for one need genetically, but it might feel like the most important one if your ability to meet that need is compromised based on what's happening in your life. When employees need more safety and security, they might appreciate closer supervision, more concrete boundaries, and reassurance from their leaders. If they require more connection, you might want to check in with them to see how they're doing or take them to lunch for non-work related conversation or perhaps offer some team building exercises. If a person needs more significance, you can give them a prime assignment Put them in charge of something they would like to take control of, or use them to teach something they do well to the rest of their team. If they need freedom, you may want to provide a more hands-off leadership, letting them know you're available if needed, but that you trust them to complete their assignment without a ton of supervision. You may also want to allow this person to work independently and be able to decide their own work hours if possible. Providing work that fosters their creativity is also a great thing for someone with the high freedom need. If the person needs more joy, then you can provide a gift of something they would truly like, arrange for meaningful training for them, encourage their sense of humor, or provide some time to relax at work. A person whose needs are satisfied by their job, an employer, will perform better than those who need something they aren't getting. When you, the leader, become a need-satisfying person to your employees, meaning your workers can get their needs met within their relationship with you, then you have ultimate influence. Employees will want to please you and help you get more of what you need in return. It's important that this doesn't become an expected transaction, however. That can be perceived as manipulative. You scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. This does not ultimately lead to the increased productivity you're looking for. When employees feel manipulated through a carrot and stick exchange, they may perform to get the carrot, but there will be pushback behind it based on their feeling of being manipulated. As for the actual coaching and self-evaluation, self-evaluation shouldn't just be for annual reviews. Self-evaluation should occur in weekly meetings as the leader You want to check in with your teams and individuals on their projects and whatever KPIs are important that week. This needs to be regular and ongoing. In order to get accurate self-evaluation, you need to co-create standards of quality which will increase the odds you will both see things in the same way. You want you and your employees to be looking at the same standards. You'll also want these standards to be co-created so the employee has some say and some control about what these standards are. If you as the leader are the only one creating these standards, then employees might feel like their power has been taken away, causing a depletion of the significance need and a lack of a need-satisfying relationship with you. Take the time to create an agreed-upon list of what you want the person to be self-evaluating against. With both of you looking at the same set of standards, the likelihood of accurate self-evaluation increases. When there's a discrepancy, then you'll have something to draw your employees' attention to. One of the things I find is that employees are often much harder on themselves than I would be, so it's quite rare for me to have to bring up the challenges. They'll bring them up first, and when they don't, I can raise the issue, whatever it is, because it's listed as one of the competencies I want them to evaluate. What happens if we simply have a difference of opinion? This doesn't happen often, but it certainly can. From where I stand, things look one way, and from where the employee stands, things look like something else. This doesn't make one of us right and the other wrong. This is simply a matter of perspective. When it occurs, I work at maintaining curiosity about how the employee sees things differently than I do, rather than jumping to the conclusion that they're wrong or delusional. I found that more than once, when I take the time to see things from their vantage point, I learn things I didn't know that mitigate my opinion. A good leader listens to their employees to learn what they see and know that the leader may not. This does not mean that the leader will always change their mind, but that is certainly possible. Often room can be made for both opinions. If the opinion in question doesn't affect the work environment adversely, then err on the side of seeing things from the employee's view. When the issue is perceived by the leader as critical or even a non-negotiable, then the leader's opinion takes precedence. Whenever a negotiation can ensue, The goal is to make sure that everyone gets what they need in the situation. The only way to get honest self-evaluation is to eliminate fear in the supervisory relationship. Your people need to know that your number one goal is to help them get better at their work. They need to know that you are asking your questions so you can praise their progress, but also support and encourage them when needed. If they admit they're struggling, they need to know you're not going to hurt them with that information. If they believe you'll hurt them, as in a reprimand, note in their file, or withholding a raise, why would they ever tell you the truth? They might do it the first time, but you probably will get a less honest evaluation in subsequent sessions. You'll need to earn your employee's trust in this regard. You may find yourself frustrated because you're a kind, encouraging, trustworthy leader, but your direct report doesn't quite see you that way. You cannot control the perception of others. You can guess that person either has a high need for safety and security, or they've had past experiences either with you or someone else that has their guard up. You can't make someone see you as a need-satisfying person. They must meet you halfway and choose to meet some of their needs within the context of their relationship with you. Leaders must constantly ask themselves, what kind of leader do I want to be? Staying grounded in the truth of who you want to be based on your ideals, values, and beliefs will sustain you in times that are difficult. I know many people who say things like, I'll respect you as long as you respect me. This allows the core of your being to be affected and determined by someone else. Either you want to be a respectful person or you don't. Whether you're respectful shouldn't be determined by someone else and their treatment of you. So if you want to be the kind of leader that your people will trust, you must act in a trustworthy way whether or not one of your employees doesn't trust you yet. With enough experiences over time, they may learn to trust you or they will forever stay defended. That is their choice, not yours. When you use coaching skills as a leader, it's important for you to determine whether you have an agenda in the situation. There will be times when you talk to employees and you don't have any skin in the game. There's nothing you need from them. When this occurs, you can use the Socratic questioning process that Dr. William Glasser called reality therapy. The first thing you do is determine what your employee wants in the situation. You dig deep enough so you have a good understanding of what the person wants, what it means to them, and their reasons for wanting it. Once you're clear and the person agrees that you understand, then you can ask what they're currently doing to get what they want. You want to hear the good, the bad, and the ugly. In other words, you want to know what that person is doing that's moving them in the direction of what they want, and then you want to know if there's anything they're doing that's getting in the way of them accomplishing their goal. Once you have a clear picture of what they're doing, you ask if the person believes they'll be successful with continuing on the path they're on. They may say yes, and then you can celebrate their progress with them, unless what they're doing isn't responsible, in terms of breaking the rules, breaking the law, or hurting someone, including themselves. If that is the case, then you want to discuss the potential consequences of continuing down the path they're on. If they answer that what they're doing isn't working, then you can ask if they're interested in doing something different and help them make a plan to do so. When you have an agenda, coaching is a little different. Often in the workplace, the leader needs something. Let's say you have a person who is late with a needed report. This report is something another division needs to complete their project on time. When there's something you or the company wants out of the exchange, then lead with that. I need this report done by the end of the day. Tell me what you have going on and whether you can accomplish that. You are entering a negotiation. Your employee likely has things they're prioritizing over what you need. You'll want to have a conversation about that and help them determine how to prioritize what you need even if that means you or someone you assign completes the other priority or you give permission for that priority to be handled on a different day. The idea is to state what you want, ask your employee what they want, and then work a plan for both of you to get what you need. Coaching is so much better than dictating or abdicating any responsibility for guidance. When coaching, you always infer positive intent. You know whatever your employee is doing is their best attempt to get what they want in that moment. This is true of every human in every setting. We are all choosing the best behavior we think we've got to get what we want in that moment. This is not something you want to punish or discourage. I for one want to support people in getting what they want in a responsible way. When coaching that may mean you need to help your employee develop responsible behaviors to get what they want. It can also mean that you need to reorder priorities. And it might even mean that you need to coach them out of the job. Finally, it might mean that you celebrate when things are going well for the employee, you, and the company. Coaching provides the sweet spot for both employers and employees to get what they want, learn responsible problem-solving skills, all while maintaining a positive, need-satisfying relationship. I hope you'll join me next week when I'll be changing topics to education and I'll interview choice theory enthusiast Ivan Honey from Australia about how he brings choice theory into school while working with students, teachers, and parents. I'm looking forward to it. Talk with you then. This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. To listen to past episodes, please visit our website at www.therelationshipcenter.biz forward slash podcast and remember to subscribe.